you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. It's good to see everyone out this morning. It's good to sing songs of praises to God. That Especially that first song that we sung, that's one of my favorite hymns that, that we sing. I, I just love the thought of singing praises to the King, our King. Um, the king that we have pledged ourselves to, and, and just songs that are really dedicated to just, just praise and all. I, I love those songs, so I appreciate uh, some of the songs that were led so far this morning. Like I said, if you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to read a passage from Hebrews chapter 10 in just a moment. But first, I just want to, <clears throat> I want to share with you a story. We'll share with you more of a long-winded complaint from a preacher uh, on Facebook one day, he just kind of titled it at the beginning, how many times do you have to go to sporting events? One preacher finally gave it up, and this is, this is what he had to say. Football in the fall, basketball in the winter, baseball in the spring and summer. This preacher has been an avid sports fan his whole life, but I've had it. I quit this sports business once and for all. You can't get me near one of those places again. You want to know why? Every time I went, they asked me for money. The people with whom I had sit didn't seem very friendly. The seats were too hard and just not at all comfortable. They were quite ugly, to say the least. I went to so many games, but the coach never came in to call on me once or to talk to me. The referee made decisions that I just could not agree with. I also suspect that I was sitting with some hypocrites. They only came to see their friends and what others were wearing rather than to see the game. Some games went into overtime, and I was late getting home. In fact, I was late getting to dinner. The band played some numbers that I had never heard before. It seems that the games are scheduled always when I want to do other things, and I was taken to so many games by my parents when I was growing up. I, I don't want to take my children to any games because I want them to choose for themselves what sport they like best. So, for all those reasons, I am done. I don't, I just, when thinking about some of those things, does that at all sound familiar to you? Uh, unfortunately, I think that there are many Christians that have this kind of attitude when it comes to just the assembly and assembling together as we're about to read the command in Hebrews chapter 10. This is just going to be, just letting you know from the outset, a very basic lesson, just a foundational lesson on a question that sometimes comes up more often than it should come up by Christians, which is just very simply, do I really have to be at every service? Is every service really that important? I, we can talk about deeper things, and I think there's room for that and time for that. This is just going to be more of a fundamental lesson with going along, just trying to answer that question. It, 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 the article in the bulletin this morning does get a little bit deeper, but I, as I said, this is just to answer just hopefully that very basic question of, is it really that important to be at every single service? What am I really supposed to be doing? Am I really required? Well, first of all, if you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 10, if you're not there already, in verse 23, it says, <clears throat> Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now let me just say, there is more commands in these three verses that we just read than just the one that we're focusing on here, which is the forsaking part. There are a few other commands. And each of them are just as important to follow. The reason we're starting with this is because a lot of times it seems like this is one of the biggest hang-ups. 
Uh, and really, if, if we're not coming to the service, if we're not coming together in the first place, the rest of these things, well, clearly they're just not going to happen. So this is kind of the, the most foundational that you can get. But I just want to make clear that it, it, it's not like this is vague language when you just read through this. I mean, we, we're all reading from, from some English translation. We understand what the Hebrew writer is trying to make clear here. This is not supposed to be happening within churches of Christ. This is not supposed to be done by Christians. Those who have been sanctified, set apart, those who are disciples, followers, students, they're not going to be forsaking the assemblies. And in fact, this is written as a command in Hebrews chapter 10. And so though many disagree at times, it just simply could not get any clearer. In fact, there's a, a Greek scholar uh, whose name is Brooke Westcott. What he said about this word forsaking is, it, it, it's leaving exposed or more susceptible to harm by not being there any time. Let me just read that one more time. It is definitionally leaving exposed or more susceptible to harm by not being there any time. So when we read this verse in Hebrews chapter 10, does this only mean that, that the Hebrew writer is talking about people who, that are just simply never coming back? No. That it, I mean, it certainly can apply to them, but there's an even more foundational application to this. It is the, the Christians that decide, well, I just don't, I don't feel like it today, maybe. Maybe, of course they're going to be back next week, but this week, we're not so sure. So it is absolutely fair and necessary to apply this commandment to those that are just simply neglecting the assembly, not just completely doing away with it, but neglecting it. And neglecting doesn't always mean that, you're just, that you've just left it high and dry, but it means that you are not doing what you are supposed to be doing, what is expected of you, what is required of you. And so <clears throat> uh, let's just think about that a little bit more. I, I, I'm not, I don't want to spend much more time on the, the fact that it is a clear command because, I mean, if you don't understand that by reading that and looking at the, what the definition is, I, I don't know what more would convince you. So this is a clear command, but let's just look at, a clear example that you see throughout, especially the book of Acts. But all throughout the New Testament, the New Testament writes almost with an unspoken expectation that people are assembling. It's kind of like um, in Romans, remember what we talked about, I believe it was last week, how Paul starts his argument. He's just, it's just the presumption when you get into the, into the discussion. Yes, Gentiles are lost. We don't even really have to prove that. In this case, it seems like the Holy Spirit guides the New Testament writers into really that same presumption. Well, of course, everybody's meeting together. We just read Philippians chapter 1, the first few verses there. But in verse 1, it talks about this church in Philippi with the bishops and deacons or with the elders and deacons. Now, if there are elders and deacons, who are the elders and deacons over? Well, clearly, there's an assembly there. And it's just, it's just, it's just un, an unspoken truth. Uh, not saying it's unspoken across the board. We just looked at the command in Hebrews chapter 10. But I just want to make clear that it's, it's not like this is vague even throughout. It is more assumed that people are going to be there. And clearly, clearly we're not going to be neglecting. You see the same thing in passages like 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2. Uh, much like Philippians 1. He writes to the church of God in Corinth. And so, who, especially, you know, going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 actually. Let's just look at a passage there. In verses 10 and 11, as he's writing to this church who is in Corinth, he says, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but 
that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels, again, among you. Now, is he just saying, well, it's just among one little household? No. He's saying among the group there at Corinth, the church at Corinth. And so, again, I, I, there's a lot that could be said, a lot of applications you can make for, through 1 Corinthians. But just understand, just here's one of many examples where it's very clear that they were meeting. Now, another example, you could go to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, in verse 16. Towards the end of the epistle, Paul writes to the church in Colossae, he says, When this letter is read among you, you have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. Again, well, well I guess we're going to have to figure out a time. That's already been established. They were meeting together, and so that's when these letters are going to be read. And you can even go back to the first uh, part of Colossians in chapter 1 and verse 2, who he's writing to. So he's not speaking about, again, just two different households. He's talking about groups of Christians that are meeting together, assemblies of God. All right, so not only do we have this just as, as just this assumption by the Holy Spirit throughout the New Testament. But in fact, they strove to be together more than just the selected times on Sundays. That's interesting because it goes a little bit further. Not only were they meeting for worship and, and to partake of the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week, but they were meeting even more than that. And so just in the New Testament, the first century Christians' examples, look over in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And we were just looking at this uh, in the Wednesday night. Bible class, so we won't spend too much time here. But just, just remember what we read through in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. It says, They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the, the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions were, uh, and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Especially when you see the words day by day, <laughs> they were really staying together. Um, and now you may look at this, and, and this is kind of a unique instance because really there's no other time where you're going to have this big of a group of Christians that are staying together uh, in this capacity. This is kind of a, a unique instance. But you can just go further into Acts. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Just turn the page over in verse 32 beginning. Acts chapter 4 beginning in verse 32. It says, And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And abundant grace was upon them all, for there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as any had need. Now Joseph a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So even here we meet that son of encouragement Barnabas that we're going to see his ministry all throughout the rest of the book of Acts. But, but once more you have just re-emphasized this notion that it's not just, it's not just 
At the very beginning, there was a great excitement. There was a great uh, fervor and zeal for the Lord and devotion. It's not dwindling down or dying out. It's just continually growing. And so it's not just that it was happened at the first, but just forget about it for now. No, it was constant all throughout the book of Acts. I'll just make a quick side point. Thinking back to Acts chapter 2, it talks about, and even Acts chapter 4, it says that they had all things in common. You want to know how you get to that point as a group of Christians? I mean, this is something that we all should be excited to learn, or at least hopefully we would try to be emulating in our lives. You want to know one of the best ways, if not the best ways, to have all things in common? Be together. I know, that's such, that is just so crazy. No, of course you're going to have all things in common. Of course you're going to have a lot of similarities. And of course you're going to get closer when you're constantly with this group of people. That's the, one of the reasons that families get so close. And sometimes they even get some of the, that, that lingo that only they will understand. You want to know why? Because they live together. Well, there is a constant notion throughout the New Testament that Christians... Uh, not, they're not going to be living together like, uh, like you see with, uh, with blood relatives, but they are going to be together. And they are going to be striving to be together constantly. Now, with all that being said, I, that's just adding on to the notion, not only were they there at every assembly. That's just a given. It's a given. But they were trying to be together as much as possible. So we're just adding on to that. It just grows in, in devotion. It grows in application. It doesn't shrink. And so thinking about the assembly and the need to come together. When it talks about why they were coming together, you know what it doesn't say about the why? It does not say that they did so because they got great preaching every single time. You know that, right? If you don't, well... I really want to talk to you a little bit more. But, but we understand that. That's not going to happen every time. It also doesn't say that they came together because they got the same benefit every single meeting. They weren't, not every single time that they came together were they just inspired the same, time, the same way that they were the last time. That, or maybe they just weren't uplifted or encouraged the same way that they were last time. Maybe they just didn't have that light bulb moment during the Bible study this time. Well, it doesn't say that that's the reason that they came together because I was promised that I was going to learn something new that I had not learned before. Also, it doesn't say that they came together because they just always felt like that day was a good day to meet together. No, no. They met together because, one, that was what was commanded of them, that was what was required of them, and they desired to be together. I think that maybe for, for, for some people that say they're Christians... Just these two first main points here is hard enough because people don't want to act like it's a command and people just want to forget that the word church literally does mean assembly. I mean, even in the word, it has this notion of coming together. Now, again, why did they do this? Because they were trying to please God, because they wanted to worship him and they were commanded to worship him. They wanted to be with his people and they wanted to uplift each other. I just want to ask from the very beginning, because this is, again, just the foundational, very foundational teaching about coming together and the need to be with one another. How are we doing in those realms? Even if we are just, we are at least just maybe checking the boxes, we're fulfilling the command, right? We're coming, at least we're here. Again, I would just hearken you back to the, the article in the bulletin because it goes into a little bit more application. But just because you hear that doesn't mean you're coming here with the right attitude. 
Do you desire to be with the people of God? Are you trying to uplift them and fulfilling the rest of the commandments in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25? Because those are important as well. So before we continue on, no matter what, the Bible is very clear about the command and the divine God's expectation to assemble. So with all that being said, I just want to... I want to think about just a couple of applications. One, what are we showing if we decide that we're just not going to come? What are we showing when we forsake? Now, let me just pause for a second. This is not to say that sometimes you're not going to be sick. This is not to say that every now and then that there's going to be some crazy fluke accident where you can't be with the brethren. I'm not talking about those extreme examples. What I am talking about are the individuals who start making this a habit. Maybe it's not even a habit, but they just decide they're going to forsake the assembly. That is the kind of person that I'm talking about. So, what are we showing when we neglect the assembly? What are we showing when we forsake it? Well, first of all, we're just showing very clearly that we don't care about Scripture. We are showing that we, even though something has been commanded of us, we're not willing to acknowledge it. <laughs> that, just plain and simple. You can, there's no other way around it. If you see something so clearly in the Bible, in the text, that the Holy Spirit has guided men to write for us, the very Word of God, and you decide, I'm just not, I don't, I don't really want to do it. Well, clearly you don't care about His Word. And so that's just a given. Well, what are we showing to our brethren if we forsake the assembly? Kind of like the first point, we're showing that we don't care enough about them. Not only do we not care enough about God, but we don't care enough about our brethren to try and come and help them, even in the moments where maybe we just don't feel like it. Again, remember what it says in Hebrews chapter 10, in verses 23 through 25. It's not just about forsaking the assembly. It's also about encouraging one another, lifting one another up, stimulating one another to love and good works. This is a passage that everyone knows, and for good reason. Are we practicing it truly? Because we need to be. And when we decide that we're going to forsake the assembly, what is it that our brethren see in that? What do they know, notice when we are gone? Well, they, they, they know that maybe some of the things that were said, or maybe a comment that was made by me in the Bible class, I didn't really mean because I just don't care enough to be here when things just aren't going the way that I want them to be. Well, what does it show... Visitors. <laughs> this is an interesting thought just because, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying that we make decisions based upon the whims of unbelievers, but even Paul uses the perspective of, of potential visitors in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 23 to make a point about the assembly. We don't want somebody to come in and just be completely confused. And so what does he say? You guys need to think more about this and try to, try to make sure that before the time comes, this is not going to be, even be an issue. And in the same way, we need to think about that. Maybe you have invited someone, a neighbor, someone from work. You've invited someone to come and be at the assembly. What are they going to see or notice when they, when they actually come and I decide that I'm just not there, uh, that I'm just not going to be there? Maybe, maybe it's not even something where it's like, oh, I wonder where he is. But you see on Facebook, well, I'm on vacation. And I don't think God's going to require me to have to spend my vacation at, at another assembly. Or I'm, I'm camping. Well, it's going to be a little bit too hard to go somewhere, so I'm just going to forget about it. What do people see in our, in, in our examples? 
in our public example uh, and also just in our personal relationships with one another. Well, so I just want to think about that from the standpoint of we do communicate things by not just our words, but by our actions or very simply our inactivity. And when we decide that we're not going to come for, for a, a good reason, well, then we are showing something. And we are very much and very loudly telling people something from the brethren to God about how we feel about his word and the relationship with him and the relationship with his people. And we show that we aren't focused as much as God says he wants us to be on uplifting one another and encouraging one another. Now, again, I don't want to make it seem like if, if, some, that, that if you're sick that you're, you're forsaking or even if you're out of town. Sometimes you're out of town. But what, think about this. What if we decided here to put up a chart and it was just an attendance sheet? Now, there is actually an attendance sheet in the back where it kind of takes a tally of, well, who's here? So that way, if someone's not here and no one notices, well, we can see on the sheet, and, oh, well, let's, let's call them and make sure everything's okay. So it's not like with ill will that that sheet is, is kind of filled in. But imagine for a moment that we were going to show a chart of your attendance and my attendance for everyone to see. What's interesting is I've actually done this before. I didn't preach this exact lesson, but I was preaching on a, a, a kind of the same question. And I actually put up a chart of the attendance of the Bible class, the morning worship, uh, and, and, and what followed after that. And let me tell you, it was, it was pretty stark, the differences. I mean, you had a bunch of people. You had the majority of people there for Sunday morning worship. But I'll tell you what, the Bible class on Sunday, whew. And you talk about Wednesday nights, it's even harder. It's even more scarce. And, and, and so I'm not, I'm not going to do that here because I don't even know how to do that. It would just be too hard. And honestly, I will say, as I go through this, I don't necessarily think that there is a, a huge problem of, of people just forsaking the assembly here at Lakeside. I think for the most part, we have a pretty good core group that tries to meet every chance we get. But just for the sake of argument... If, if your name was put up on the screen here, and it had every time that you were gone from the assembly, what if it didn't just say every time you were gone? What if it had the reason for why you were gone? Would it say, I was at a football game, or a softball game, or a baseball game, whatever is it? Football's not in season right now, so softball and baseball. Would it say that I was up late last night maybe doing things that I shouldn't have done? Would it say that I was gone because, well, my family's in town and really I want to focus on them and so I don't want to have to try and drag them over to church and it's probably just going to make them feel worse if I ask them about it, so we're, I'm just not going to go? Would it say, very simply, I'm just not feeling it today? Would it say, I'm not, I'm not at this assembly because I just can't stand to be around these people or this person right here? If it says anything like that, there's a problem. And only I can know what that problem is because no one here is going to be able to look into your heart, look into your mind and see what's going on. But if that's me, if, if, if I can say any of those things, something needs to be fixed and quickly. And so no matter what, we reveal much by our lack of integrity in attendance. I like what, um, like what J.R. has said before. J.R. Bronger, if you want to judge people's, if you want to see people's commitment 
to uh, the assembly, it's not <laughs> the mileage that they have to drive, the distance that they have to drive, it's never going to matter. Even if they have to drive an hour, even if they have to drive 40 minutes, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever, a true committed disciple is going to take that time. A true committed disciple is going to make sure that no matter what the time or what the hall, they're going to be there. And so I, I want to ask myself, am, am I at least doing this? Am I at least, or at the very least, not forsaking in this way? So just ending with a few questions. And what I want to start with is ask some questions that maybe sometimes we hear from time to time. And I want to ask, are these kinds of arguments valid? Is it a valid argument for someone to come up and say, well, some of these are just plain traditions? Now, let me just say, granted, the time that we come together, the times that we meet, how long that we're here, how often that we meet, that, some of those are traditions. You could go on. E even the times that we meet for the Bible class and how many Bible classes we have, those are traditions that we have said we're going to meet at this time. And if the group at Lakeside have decided this is a good time that we're going to have that Bible study. While these are judgment calls, the command to assemble is not. And so at the very least, we understand that, that that's not just some man-made tradition. We need to be together. But, but even with those things that we were talking about, the Bible classes, gospel meetings, and, 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 and things of that nature, while those things are indeed traditions, we have made a promise when we became members here at Lakeside. When you join the work with a local congregation, you make a promise that you are going to submit, even with some of those judgment calls that you don't necessarily like to hear. <laughs> Why? Because you're not, we're not doing this just for the benefit of, of my pride. We're not doing this for the benefit of just because I feel like it. We're doing this for the benefit of the entire congregation. And so do I have that kind of mindset? The person that says, well, we don't really have to do this because all the things, all those other things are just random made, made man-made traditions. Well, you don't get to decide what you want to do or not do just because you disagree with, with the way things are done. If it's a judgment call, we're called to be submissive. And we don't get to thwart our authority over everybody else just because this makes me upset. That's not the way a Christian sounds. So I don't think that's a very good argument. What about this one, though? The Bible only tells us to come together on the first day of the week. It doesn't say gospel meetings or Bible classes, monthly studies. It just says come on the first day of the week. So outside of Sunday, sure, I'll be here Sunday morning and Sunday evening. But outside of Sunday, why does it even matter that much? Well, again, just kind of going back to what we were said just a moment ago, the Bible never says meet when you feel like it will be worth your time. Instead, remember that divine expectation from God? He expects that you're going to try to be with one another more and more. He expects that from me. That I am going to make it my goal and my aim to try to be with each other as often as I can. And why? Because I know that I need this. And maybe I think that's sometimes the hang-up is people don't realize... They need this. It's not just a commandment that we're trying to please God. God gives us this because as, as the way he designed us, we are social creatures. And we need each other to grow. Now, 
think about another argument that sometimes people will say. All I need to do is really just take the Lord's Supper. And there have been places where, uh, that I've been where they have a very long worship service, and so they have a lesson given in the first hour, they have Bible class right after that, and then they have their main worship service right after that Bible class. And what has happened is sometimes you'll have in that first hour, the Lord's Supper is given, and, and I'm not making this up. Christians will come that first hour to take the, that Lord's Supper, and then they'll leave. I don't understand that. I, let me tell you, I think that that's someone who simply has, has, maybe they just don't fully understand, or maybe they just haven't read everything that God has to say about the assembly and the need to come together. And really, is that really all that we're coming to do? Remember in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, that let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, that we are supposed to be teaching, admonishing one another, that we're supposed to sing with one another. There's a lot more than just the Lord's Supper that we're doing on Sundays, on the first day of the week. That's an important part. It's, an, it, it's, it's uh, one, of the, one of the greatest things that we do. But that's not the only thing that we're coming together to do. All right, now, now uh, those are just a few arguments that I think people sometimes bring up that I just don't think have any, ha any real solid foundation whatsoever. I would ask that you consider some of these. If you are someone who feels like this is just not needed, again, I don't, I don't know that there's anybody here that actually feels that way. I feel like there's a pretty good core uh, group of people here that, that knows we need to be together, not just to fill that box, but to help one another. But consider some of these, if not just for your own benefit, but just to maybe help when other people come and ask you some kinds of questions. If, 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 if someone comes up to you and says, well, I really just have to be at the Sunday morning worship service. Well, I think a good way to respond to that person is, which service did the Lord show up at? Which service was God present for? You think about that. Well, he, he was there when we all came together and we all bow in prayer, come before his throne in that way, and we sing praises to his name. Oh, but it's just Sunday a.m. That, 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 that we have the presence of God there and, and accepting that worship. Sunday evening, that doesn't happen. <laughs> really? No. Which, which service did the Lord show up at? Uh, this is another one that I think is a pretty good argument. If someone comes and tries to make this kind of argument, I would just ask, especially what I do, I would say, could I make that argument? Could the preacher say, I don't think I have to be there every service? The, the congregation here at Lakeside has decided that we're going to meet for Bible class and Sunday morning worship and Sunday evening worship and Wednesday evening worship. That's what we have decided as a group. But what if I, as the preacher, said, you know, no, I'm just going to be here on Sunday a.m. That's it. I'm not even going to be here for Bible class. I'm just doing that. And you know what? You're going to have to fill in the evening service of who's going to be preaching. <laughs> Whew. Wow. Clearly, I wouldn't understand the commandment that's been given. And clearly, I have a terrible attitude towards not only God's will, but the brethren. And I, maybe I have too high and mighty of an opinion of myself if I'm speaking like that. And so, no, that, it, it, and I would just add, you know, if, if, you know, when you ask that question, could the preacher make the same argument? If not, why not? Because guess what? The preacher is just as much a member as everyone else. And so could we make the same argument? I don't, I don't think so. Well, the last thing I want to think about is what is it that is worth not coming together for God with the brethren? Is it a sports game? 
Is it being at maybe NCAA uh, tournaments where even the Kentucky Wildcats are going to be? Is that worth it? There was a Pew Research, um, uh, it was pewforum.org, and the research that they had kind of put together showed that a substantial portion of people nationwide who attend less services overall was because they were, quote unquote, too busy. Now, too busy, that can mean a lot of things. But <laughs> what's interesting is I remember there was, a, there was a brother who was talking to someone about a Bible study and trying to get a Bible study. And, you, and what she said was, I just don't have, a t I don't have enough time to study. And you know what he said? He said the exact same thing back to her. He said, you don't have enough time to study the Bible. <laughs> she understood what he was trying to say. By her, by her own admission, she had filled up her life with all kinds of things that was taking her away from moments to spend with God. Are we doing that with the assembly? Are we filling up our schedules and are we filling up our time so that way, even, even if we do show up, we're showing up with just with bad attitudes. <sighs> I had to leave work early. I don't know, for me, that would be a plus. <laughs> well, I, not only did I have to leave work early, but I also had to get some things done at the house. And I'm not able to get those things done because of this, this stinking gospel meeting this week. Let me tell you, if you've come with that attitude, you also have missed the point of this command. Now, a proper focus, I think, is what it comes down to when we talk about the need to assemble together. What are we focused on the most? How have I been doing? Maybe I feel like I've just been letting things get in the way. Maybe I understand that maybe I've been letting things get in the way. If that's you, you can reassert yourself and your efforts to be here and redeem the time as Paul says in Ephesians, making every opportunity to do God's will. Christian, you don't have to stay in a place where you feel like you're not doing this correctly. You can start making, changing your schedule, taking things out for him and for the brethren. If you are not a Christian, I would say that this invitation is also very much for you because we're not, we're not, we're not inviting you to, to a cause where we make half-hearted efforts to do what we call the most important work there is. There may be times where people fail, but we're not calling you to a, a group of people that just kind of give half effort and then just leave the rest to everybody else. No, what we're inviting you to is a cause where we are striving to endeavor though we may fail at times, to as much as possible give our full attention and all of our energy to the Lord's work that he has for us. And that includes the work here. And so if you would like to be added to his kingdom and join the work of his kingdom here at the, in this body of Christ at Lakeside, we would love nothing more than to help you in that endeavor. And so if you are subject to the invitation of Christ and we can help you in any way, please let your need be made known as we stand and as we sing.